inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Oh, yeah, here we go. Welcome to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. And I'm just glad to be here, man. Glad to be on AFA. Um, I just told our producer, Bobby, we are going to punish the world today. Oldest joke in radio, but I have a face for radio, and yet we're broadcasting video today. I I don't know why we want to put people through that pain, but apparently we're going to. So anyway, howdy to everybody out there that's watching, and uh, thanks for joining the program. If you're listening on one of our American Family Radio stations around the country or you're watching online, I appreciate you joining us. We're going to be talking about several things today, but we would love to hear from you as well. So let me give out the phone number a couple times here, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. If you got a question or comment, we welcome those. And it can even be an insult, man. Questions, comments, insults, we take it all here and uh, just enjoy having you participate with us. I, you know, we're still reeling from the, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know, the coup, the, 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 the third world country, banana republic, you've heard it all. Over the last week, um, but I, I, I'm still amazed that this has happened in our country today. I'm amazed that the that the Democrat administration is foolish enough to go this direction. I'm thankful for Donald Trump's apparent message to FBI Director Ray that hey, the nation's on fire. How can I help reduce the heat? So he's essentially saying, look, you know, you guys are going to start a civil war here. You're going to create a situation from which we cannot return. You're you're on the brink right now of of creating mayhem. And let me just repeat what I said last week. Don't take the bait. Do not fall for this. Do not be a useful idiot. And, and I don't mean that as an insult to you or to anybody else. That That is the term of art for the communist whenever they find people that they can use to create mayhem, find people they can gin up and 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 lie to, and then create uh, that in that person what they believe is a righteous anger that they then tur- turn around and use violence, and then it gives the communists exactly what they need to clamp down even harder, to then turn our government on us. Now that's clearly what they've been doing for for a year and a half. It was so obvious on January sixth. This was their Rostock fire. This was their opportunity to to turn around and create all kinds of false narratives absolute lies about the American people, about people that call themselves patriots like I do. I mean, look, I got it on my shirt today, on my hat. I mean, that's we are patriots, and, the, and uh, that's a good thing. We need patriots that love their love their country. But they've created this false narrative. They've, they've used this to go after their political opposition. When I say Reichstag fire, that's exactly what happened in, in 1930s Germany. It's exactly what Hitler and the Nazis used to create their tyranny. I mean, to create their clamp on society. They couldn't get the enabling acts through the legislature, and so they needed to take out uh, political parties that were their enemies. And in order to do that, they had this this false flag uh, fire. I mean, it was a real real fire. It was Parliament. It was the it was the the Rostock fire. But then they blamed it on their political enemies. We don't know to this day who actually did it, and it gave them everything they needed to to go after them to create this this tyrannical state and uh, and destroy their political enemies. They got the enabling acts through. The enabling acts are what set up Hitler 
to be a tyrant. They're, they're what gave him. you got to remember, Germany had the things we have, folks. They had freedom of speech. They had freedom of assembly. They had all of the things that we cherish today, most all of the things we cherish today. They had that in German society in early 1930s Germany. And then they used this, these enabling acts, to then give Hitler the power he needed to become a dictator. And then, of course, you started losing those things, all in the name of we're just trying to stop the violence. We're just trying to stop these bad actors out there that want to destroy the, the country. Sound familiar? It's exactly down. That's the road we are headed down right now. And so after January 6th, there were those of us that that are students of history that knew the, the, the history. We're watching history repeat itself and we're trying to wake everybody up and say, hey, don't play into their hands. And so I just want to repeat that warning today. No matter how upset you are that the FBI has become a politically weaponized organization and is now going after the president of the United States, the former president of the United States, immediate past president of the United States, and likely to be the next president of the United States, the, the number one contender by far, the opponent of the sitting administration right now. So what do they do in third world countries? When you have opposition to the people that are in power, what do you do? You go destroy the opposition. You arrest them. You trump up charges. You, you know, pun intended there. Uh, and, and, well, actually, pun intended. And, and you take those people and you put them in jail and you prevent them from running. I mean, that's the story we've heard over and over and over again from nation after nation after nation. Typically, third world nations are nations that have not enjoyed the kind of freedom that we have today. And so now we're watching that happen in real time. And we cannot take the bait and respond with violence. Don't do it. So just be smart. We got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We've got to be. Um, we've got to be people that that are discerning, that that are uh, calculating, that are um, um, shrewd, that 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 make good decisions on strategy and tactics. That we put our energy into the right places. And as I said on, on my front porch live on Sunday night, with joy. I mean, that, that sounds crazy, right? But you can have joy in the midst of the battle. In fact, these trials we're facing right now, we're supposed to count it all joy, James 1 and 2 says. And if we're going to count it all joy when we experience various trials so that God can use those things to perfect us, to, to make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, as, 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 as James says, then we have to recognize what's happening. We have to step back, not just look at this little pigeonhole just one moment in time, because, folks, I get depressed or angry or whatever it might be if I only look at the one moment in time. We have to step back and look at this in the context of history and say, what is happening here? What's happening in our nation? Who's behind it? Let's start digging in. Let's start studying. Let's start being willing to, to do the hard work and the research. And then how do we respond to it? How do we not play into their hands? How do we start outfoxing them? Because, frankly, that's what happened on January 6th. That's what happened with the entire 2020 election. They outmaneuvered us, let's be honest. They were brilliant in their strategy and tactics. Evil, absolutely evil, but brilliantly evil. And they out, absolutely outmaneuvered us using COVID to change election laws, to favor the Democrats over the Republicans. It was a stacked deck. Potentially, you know, I, I mean, look, if, if, if a van shows up with a van load full of, of, of ballots at four in the morning, that people ought to question that, right? When you stop the counting, when the guy's winning, huge, hundreds of thousands ahead uh, in Pennsylvania and other places, and, and all of a sudden it all changes the next morning and in the wee hours of the night when you have the supposed flood at, uh, in Atlanta at the uh, center there, which was nothing but an overflowing toilet and another total other end of the arena. When all of these things happen, you know something's amiss. And so with all of these things amiss, let's just back up and get a little bit of perspective and history on this. When all of these things are amiss, then you should dig in and study. 
and you should absolutely demand of your legislators and your leaders to do the same thing. And we tried to do that at the state level ineffectively in all six of the states that were in play from November, from the day after the election through the entire debacle of January 6th. We tried to get our state leaders to do the right thing and investigate the election and, and, and reclaim the electors and all of those things. And unfortunately, you had weak-kneed, wimpy, spineless Republicans in control in those states, and they didn't do it. They refused to do it. You had some, some great leaders trying to make it happen. In fact, one of those is now running for governor in, in Pennsylvania and has the Republican nomination. I think has a real uh, a real chance of winning there. But I'm going to try to try to go back to January 6th and answer some questions here because I got some. I got one particularly angry message, and I hope you're listening out there because you know. Listen, I, I don't normally respond when, when I get you know uh, crit- criticized for things that I say. I mean, I, I I try to be humble and 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 if I say something that's wrong, admit I said something that was wrong, and and, and try to be sensitive to that. Um. But this is a longtime listener to, to American Family Radio and a supporter and and uh, and and someone that 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 you know I want to make sure there's not a misunderstanding here. But the the, the call was basically here, here. Here's what the the call, caller said: I'm upset with Rick Green because he's accusing Trump supporters of being violent on January 6th, and the only violence committed was was people paid by the FBI to cause violent reactions, and and and, and you know that, that there were people now that have been sentenced to, to years in jail that were actually trying to be heroes that day and stop violence and, 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 and try to save lives. So listen, here's the, I want to make sure we're very clear about what happened on January 6th and my perception of what happened on January 6th. First of all, understand what was at stake on January 6th. Okay, January 6th was the final opportunity to make sure that the constitutional process was played out and that that the constitutional process for counting the electors and and announcing who the president is going to be that was the day that that was going to happen and so the the, the last opportunity to to make sure to to whether you want to call it stop the steal whether you whatever you whatever you want to call it except you cannot call it overturning the election that's what the left called it that's what even Mike Pence ended up calling it a few months ago and made me very upset whenever he did that because he played into the left's language but you cannot call it trying to overturn the election when all everybody was trying to do was confirm the correct outcome for the election. Nobody was trying to overturn an election. They were trying to make sure that the that the electors that were counted were legal electors, that, 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 the, that the process was not compromised. And so everybody was asking on January 6th, Donald Trump was asking for this, all of the people that were well, 99.9% of the people that were there in support of Trump that day were asking for that. We were asking for Congress to do its job constitutionally and historically, follow the law, follow the Constitution, follow historical precedent, and make sure that all of the electors that are, were counted that day were legal. That they were that they were not stolen. That they wasn't there wasn't cheating. There wasn't a violation of the Constitution producing that electoral outcome in a state. That's all we were asking for. And, and and nobody was saying, hey, just throw out the electors for states that went for, for Joe Biden just so that Donald Trump can win. Nobody was saying that. Nobody with any any kind of a platform or any kind of, you know, uh, uh, sense. And so that's what was actually taken. Now, what the left tried to label this as was that the Trump supporters are trying to violently overthrow the government, an insurrection. They're trying to prevent the electors from being counted and prevent the, the, the rightful winner of the election from being place in office. No one was trying to do that except a few crazies. And let's just admit every side has its crazies. Okay. So let's be honest 
about what happened that day, who was there that day, who did violence and who didn't do violence. Okay, let's just run down the list here. I'm going to try to get this in before we go to break, and then uh, if I don't, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep going uh, in the second segment on this. But here, here's who was there that day. Okay, first of all, I, I want to be very clear about this. Donald Trump did nothing wrong that day. This nonsense of claiming that he incited a, a riot or any of that, absolute lies. You go watch his speech. You read the transcript. You watch his delivery. He said nothing, absolutely nothing, that justified any violence or any quote-unquote overthrowing or any reversing or overturning. of Nothing, nothing like that. He actually specifically said, be peaceful. And if you watch the rally with Trump supporters, they're literally singing hymns. They're singing patriotic songs. They're, they're, they're good salt-of-the-earth people. And so, to be very clear, 99.9% of Trump supporters did nothing wrong. They, and, and and many of them were trying to stop the violence, trying to stop the breaking. And you watch the videos where they're screaming and yelling, saying, don't do that, that's wrong, where there are people standing in the way of the violence and trying to prevent it from happening. But let's be honest, there were some crazies there. Now, I think a lot of the crazies were plants, without question. I think there were Antifa instigators. I think it's obvious when you watch all of the videos, and there's reasons that they will not release these hundreds and hundreds of hours of video because they know the truth will be told. And there were two different worlds at the Capitol. There was the violent world led by instigators, and there was the peaceful world where the Capitol Police literally moved the gates and waved people into the Capitol. And that's when people like Simone Gold, Dr. Gold, and others went into the rotunda. And she was scheduled to give a speech there and you know, for the, uh, for the rally and ended up giving it there in the rotunda. Now, she shouldn't have been standing up on the statue, but, you know, it's crowded in there. She's trying to get up where people can hear her. Uh, anyway, those people that went in peacefully and were waved in by Capitol Police absolutely did nothing wrong. They're, they're, that's crazy to go charge those people. And it's also hypocritical when you didn't charge violent BLM and Antifa riders that tried to burn our country for seven months. But there were absolutely instigators that did violence that should be prosecuted. And there were a handful of Trump supporters that were overzealous, crazy, simple-minded, useful idiots for the communists. They were used and abused, and now they're being used and abused even worse. I'll get a little bit more into that when we come back from the break. I'm sure I'm going to get some angry phone calls on this when I welcome them. 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green. You're listening to AFA at the Core. Just as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A friend of mine who pastors a church in Nigeria once said to me, you know, America has sent more missionaries into the world than any other nation before it. But the nation that once sent missionaries has now become the mission field. As you consider the calling God has for you, I just want to remind you, that just as other nations need missionaries, we need missionaries in America, too. There are a lot of neighborhoods right here in our country that desperately need evangelism and discipleship. Let's not forget about them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. It's not that bad. Have you recently heard your girl justify a behavior she knew was wrong? Twisting a story to avoid getting into trouble, lashing out at her brother because he deserved it, or watching a questionable YouTube video, she might brush these off as not that bad, but God wants more for us than double-talking sin to avoid repentance. The truth is, twisting a story, that's lying. He deserved it to her brother, that's rage. A risque video, that's moral impurity. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells us God wants more for her than half-hearted living. He desires her complete sanctification, and He gave her the Holy Spirit and His Word to make this possible. So lead her in this by your example, through regular time in the Word, in repentance, and in prayer. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Phone number is 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. Glad to be with you this afternoon. We are kind of reliving January 6th a little bit because part of the, part of the reason I'm doing this, partly because I, I, I got an upset caller that's a longtime listener, and I, and I want to make sure she understands where I'm coming from on this and that we see the whole truth about this thing, and we, and we, don't, we, we don't delude ourselves about what happened there and we and we don't go to just the extreme just to just just to try to counter their extreme and and the other reason though is we have to have the context of January 6th and what was really happening there in order to understand the raid on Donald Trump's house and where they're actually continuing to head with this thing so picking up where we were in the in the previous segment um, we, we've got to we've got to admit who did the violence here? Okay, so that, without question, there was violence at the Capitol. I think you watch the videos, you see that. And as I said earlier, two different worlds, right? One side, peaceful. People are invited into the Capitol. Other side, they are quite literally breaking windows. They are quite literally pushing over cops. Um, they're, they're, they're pushing over fences, all, all of those things. And, and it, which was shocking to me even as I was watching it on January 6th because I've done tons of tours at the Capitol. We do this thing called a spiritual heritage tour of the Capitol. David Barton and I and Tim Barton, we do these and, and they're late, late at night and, and we go in. We get to go into all the, all the rooms. That's why I was, I mean, I, I literally was grieving as I was watching this happen because those rooms in the Capitol and the Rotunda and all that. I love that place. Uh, and, 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 I mean, the security is always really good. And so it was, it was really obvious to me as I'm watching this happen they're letting this happen. I mean, where is security? 
Donald Trump called for the National Guard to be there, and the mayor of D.C. said no, and Nancy Pelosi said no. They did not want to protect the Capitol. They wanted this to happen so that they could have their Rostock fire, as we described in the first segment, and they could use it as an excuse to go after their political enemies, to have political persecution, which we've seen for the last year and a half. I think we have to admit, though, that that some some good people, good intentioned people, were used in this process and fell for this thing. They got too excited that day, and they joined in on the violence. Now, when I say a few people, again, 99.9% of Trump supporters did nothing wrong. But there was a small percentage of people, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people, that, that were, I think, legit Trump supporters. They actually did support Donald Trump, and they believed they were there to stop the election from being stolen and that the right way to do that at some point, they got caught up in the idea that we need to get into the Capitol. Now, that where did that come from? From FBI informants. We see them on camera inciting a riot. They are actually encouraging people and pushing people to go into the Capitol. Ray Epps is the one that everybody talks about and is so obvious on camera. And everybody should be screaming, why is Ray Epps not being investigated? Why have we not? Why has he not been prosecuted? He did more to incite this riot than anyone, and yet no prosecution. So it's obvious. He's an FBI informant. There's no doubt about it. Maybe he's an FBI agent. I don't know. But the whole point is that we know that they were encouraging this stuff and pushing this stuff, or people that they were connected to were pushing this stuff. And so the useful idiots, the people that fell for it and got angry enough to do violence, which was not justified and they should it wasn't going to ever help right what was what would be the point in violently going into the capitol if you want the constitution to be played out if you want the electors to be objected to and investigated the last thing you want to do is force yourself into the capitol that helps the other side and that's exactly what happened because it shut down the process of objecting to electors investigating electors and possibly not counting electors from states that were in question and so the violence did nothing but help the other side and it gave the other side everything that they wanted so i believe based on what i've seen in the in the hour you know tons of footage that i've watched that there were fbi informants like ray epps and others like him that were causing the violence and stoking the violence there were antifa and blm um instigators without question we even know some of them were on video encouraging everyone to get into the Capitol and filming and, and right there where Ashley Babbitt was killed. I mean, all of that. We know that these people were there. And you watch the people that were on the front lines breaking things, no doubt in my mind. These were the same Antifa people creating violence all across the country for seven months. But let's admit, there were also some overzealous Trump supporters involved. Now, I don't think these guys like the shaman dude that's wearing the the horns and the fur coat or whatever that thing was on him. He's not a Trump supporter. He's some crazy that has latched on to the movement. And this happens all the time. I've had it happen at events I, I, I was putting on where crazies that, that just want attention. That's all. They, they'll latch on to any movement to get attention. And there were a lot of people like that that were there on January 6th that just joined the movement because they wanted to be part of something and they wanted attention. They wanted people to look at them. And so those kind of people were at the forefront, if you watch the videos, of getting into the Capitol and then going into the Senate chamber and all that stuff. And 
those people deserve to be prosecuted. There's no doubt about it. If you broke things, if you attacked a police officer, you deserve to be prosecuted. Now, how much prosecution, right? Now's where you look at the blind justice, equal justice that we should have had in this situation versus the political prosecution and persecution that we ended up with. So the amount of violence that was done at BLM riots and Antifa riots was a thousand times, one thousand times greater than what happened on January 6th. And yet those people were either not arrested or when they were arrested, they were let out in hours. Within hours, they were let out. They were given bail, all of those things. And then most of them not prosecuted in the end, even though they participated in violence and everything. Anyone they can find on video that even did things that wouldn't normally be considered wrong, but their false narrative is now creating wrong, was prosecuted if they were there on January 6th. And I'm not talking about just prosecuted. No due process. They were arrested in the middle of the night. Flashbangs broke into their homes. Crazy stuff that the FBI did to these people and, and, and then put in solitary confinement. The abuse of these people over the last year and a half, it will be one of the biggest stains on American history. It has been outright third world evil gulag type situations i'm talking not allowed to shave not allowed to clip their fingernails not allowed to take a shower not i mean evil i mean this stuff has been awful dehumanized these people completely i i get angry righteously angry when i read about what has happened to these people and 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 it has been absolutely absolutely awful and complete disparity right none of that was done to any blm or antifa writer they were the ones that killed dozens of people. Multiple police officers killed uh, uh, over, a, uh, I think it's almost $2 billion in property damage. Night after night after night trying to burn down federal buildings. And absolutely almost nothing done to them. And the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, helped to bail them out. Raised money for them to be bailed out when they were clearly trying to actually have an insurrection and talked about how much they hated the country. They were communists. They admitted that they were communists and trying to do that. So the disparity is there. So I understand when people get angry at me when I when I point out that, yes, some Trump supporters did wrong that day on January 6th, but have some context, be able to to have some nuance here and say we we don't we don't we don't lie about what happened. We're truthful. And we say, yes, there were some overzealous Trump supporters, some good people that got out of hand. Got I mean, look, I've, I've gotten out of hand at times in my life. I've been angry and sinned and then been angry and, and sin not, right? And we know what's right and what, what's wrong. So let's just admit that that happened, and those people should have been prosecuted, but it should have been done with due process, and it should have been a sentence that, that justified and was, was correct for, for, for the crime that was committed. And then those people that didn't do anything wrong, that literally walked in and invited in, should never have been prosecuted. We used to have that kind of nuance. We used to be able, and the FBI used to be able, to look at those things and say that. You know, and judges are supposed to be able to say, no, that person should not be prosecuted for, for what we see on, on this video right here. And that per- I mean, this guy that literally tried to save the life of I, I, I'm, I apologize I forget the lady's name that was killed there uh, right by the right by the tunnel uh, the beat the way these Capitol police beat her over the head with the, I mean it evil evil stuff it was handled completely wrong that that Capitol police officer should be prosecuted so all of that to say absolutely I agree with the caller most of and when I say most 99.9 percent of the Trump supporters did nothing wrong and most of the violence was done by instigators, FBI informants, Antifa, BLM, all of that. So there's the there's the January 6th um, response to the, to the caller. Now, in terms of the context and why this all ties into 
what's happening with with uh, Donald Trump and and their attempt to prosecute him to try to keep him from running for president again. It all comes back to the January sixth narrative. What? were we objecting to and what were we trying to have happen? We were trying to have the constitutional process play out. The Supreme Court of the United States has said on three different occasions that state legislatures absolutely, and it's very clear in the Constitution, absolutely control the electoral process in their particular state. They can choose whether to have electors chosen by election, um, you know, statewide. They can the, the legislature itself can choose the electors. They can, uh, they, they, they can do a multitude of things. It's entirely up to the legislature how they do that. And the Supreme Court has said multiple times that they can change that process at any time they want, including during the electoral process. And so it was absolutely constitutionally uh, allowed, um, rubber stamped by the U.S. Supreme Court, that the legislatures in Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, these places where we know that there were problems, absolutely allowed for the state legislature to say too many questions, too too much evidence. We are not going to allow the electors to be chosen in that way. And so we, the legislature, are going to name the electors based on what we think should have happened and, and, and what we think would be an accurate depiction and reflection of our state. And that's what everybody was saying should have been done constitutionally. Now, if those legislatures refused to do that, Congress still had the power to say no to electors from a state that they thought there was uh, too many questions about. They absolutely could have rejected electors uh, or accepted uh, electors. And, and that's what we were saying from, from November through January. And that's what, pe- that's what Donald Trump was saying. That's what his legal counsel was saying. And that's what they were encouraging Mike Pence to do, even single-handedly, if the legislature itself would not do what they were constitutionally allowed to do. And there's constitutional precedent for that. And that, again, was not asking Mike Pence to overturn an election. That's a lie. That was asking Mike Pence to only count the electors that we had confidence were done legally. If you had two sets of electors from a state, somebody has to determine which set of electors to count. And so we know historically Thomas Jefferson and Richard Nixon both single-handedly chose which set of electors to count um, in those situations or whether or not to count a set a, a set of electors if they believe there was there was fraud there and people say yeah but but Mike Pence had a, a, a self-interest in that so he shouldn't have been able to do that well Thomas Jefferson and Richard Nixon did as well because Thomas Jefferson the the, the year that I'm talking about was the, the year that he was on the ballot to be president and so by choosing or are or, or, or refusing electors there's a self-interest there but it's what the Constitution called for. Same thing with Richard Nixon in, in 1960. So anyway, all of that to say, all we were asking for was an accurate representation and an accurate counting of the electors. No one was asking for a quote-unquote overturning of the election. And once January 20th happened, once I mean, once January 6th happened, and, and the fools that did do violence that day and broke things, because they accomplished their task, unfortunately, they stopped the process. And now we no longer had the ability to object. Uh, and, and frankly, there were a bunch of Republicans unwilling to object when they should have. Some of them good guys that, that I respect on the Constitution most of the time, but they were, you know, unfortunately wrong in this situation. So anyway, all of that to say that it became a situation where, you know, once the once the president was sworn in on January 20th, once the Congress rubber stamped those those electors on January 6th, it was over. That's it. So if you're out there thinking that Donald Trump is still president in the basement somewhere, actually calling the shots, don't be 
don't fall for that stuff. Okay, we've got to be wise here. We've got to make sure that we're 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 eyes wide open and we know what we're dealing with. They, they they outmaneuvered us. That's exactly what happened. And so now we have to be smarter. We have to work harder. We have to be engaged in elections at every precinct level all the way down. I mean, I'm talking every ballot box, every polling location. There has to be good people watching that process and letting the other side know we are watching everything you're doing. Watch the movie 2000 Mules by uh, by Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, he and Debbie did a fantastic job on that movie and, and Catherine Engelbrecht, and it's, uh, it's well worth watching. Okay, I am done ranting. That was a long rant. I'm sorry, folks, but uh, well, uh, you know, it needed to be done. I do have to talk about writs of assistance, and we got a ton of phone calls. And we're going to get to those in our final segment. I apologize for not getting to those in this segment, like I, I thought I was going to be able to do. As we're, you know, my last couple of minutes before the break, though, let me let me tell you about writs of assistance. Now, this what I'm about to read to you is right out of our biblical citizenship in modern America course. You need to take this course. It both covers what the Bible says about being a citizen and what our Constitution says. What's happening to Donald Trump right now is exactly what we revolted over. This is what caused the American Revolution all the way back to 1761. So we're 14, 15 years, 14 years before Lexington, 15 years before the Declaration. Here's what um, uh, James Otis, basically grandfather of the American Revolution, the guy that was a father to the founding fathers in teaching these things. He said, I will to my dying day oppose with all the powers and faculties God has given me all such instruments of slavery and villainy as this writ of assistance is. Now, what a writ of assistance is, is basically what happened to Donald Trump. It's a it's a search warrant that's so wide open that it's basically saying, go in and find something on this guy and then we'll prosecute it. That's why we have the Fourth Amendment, folks. That's why the Fourth Amendment specifically says you have to specifically say what you're going in to search for and get. Anyway, James Otis goes on to say, it is the worst instrument of arbitrary power and it's destructive of liberty and the fundamental principles of law. One of the most essential rights is the freedom of one's house. A man's house is his castle, but these writs totally annihilate this right. It is a power that places the liberty of every man in the hands of every petty officer. Think FBI agent there who may reign secure in his petty tyranny and spread terror and desolation around him. Both reason and the Constitution are against such writs. John Adams would later say American independence was then and there born when James Otis gave that speech. Every man in the crowded audience went away, as I did, ready to take arms against writs of assistance. Don't read that wrong. Then and there was the first scene in the first act of opposition to this arbitrary claim of Great Britain. Then and there, the child independence was born. And in 15 years, namely in 1776, he grew up to manhood and declared himself free. More on writs of assistance when we come back from the break. This is the foundation of America, and it was 100% violated last Monday on August 8th, the day that we said we'll live in infamy when the FBI raided Donald Trump's home. Quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to AFA at the Core. Men of Honor is a program that AFA has created to meet the needs of young men without dads. But we've taken that program and we've put it into a curriculum to help meet the needs of those who want to do this. You can download the Men of Honor curriculum at resources.afa.net completely for free. And once you download it, it's a PDF that's got a great outline, great structure to it, and it leaves a little bit of room for you to make it fit your situation a little better. 
AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. This is Bible League International. Thank God your pastor wasn't attacked on Sunday, but it happened to Pastor Nepo recently while preaching in Burundi, Africa. Twenty radicals dragged him down the aisle to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death because he's been faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims and nearly 200 have come to Christ in his village where Christians are attacked daily. Anyone who comes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior are easily persecuted. In coastal India, Jay Anth planted a church in a village with no Christians and today more than half of that village follows Christ, but it did not come easy. His house was burned down twice, his wife was assaulted, and many in the church have been threatened with death, but they're not praying for an end to their suffering. They're praying for Bibles to endure and persevere. We're halfway to our goal to send God's Word to 16,000 Bibleist persecuted believers, and we need to wrap up in a week. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. If AB 2547 passes, policemen would be stripped of their right to publicly express personal opinions without punishment. The bill also could prevent a police officer from attending a Bible-believing church that simply preaches what the Bible says about controversial sexual lifestyles. This is because of the bill's vague use of the term hate groups. Well, PGI's Center for Public Policy is actively working to shed light on the damaging nature of the bill and to ensure this bill does not pass. Stay up to date on PJI's cases by signing up for the weekly newsletter at pji.org. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green with you today, America's Constitution Coach. Phone number is 888-589-8840. And I promise we are going to get to the phone calls. We've got quite a few people calling in. I think people are fired up about what's happening because they recognize we're losing our country. If this continues, we're losing our country. So back to writs of assistance real quick, and then we'll go to the, the phone call. So the reason James Otis gave that speech in 1761 that we were talking about prior to the break is because he said, listen, these documents, uh, or here, here's what we teach in our class, and then he describes it in that 1761 speech. These documents violate the laws of nature and nature's God. Now, he, he condensed that down to the idea that every man's house is his castle. Uh, that's an Old Testament concept. And and, and we, we know the castle doctrine. We think of it as a Second Amendment thing because it is. I mean, it, it, your right to defend your home is part of the castle doctrine, and a lot of our a lot of our laws across the country we call those castle doctrine laws when you defend your home with deadly force if necessary. But James Otis was talking about it much broader than that, and that your home is your castle. You're the commanding officer of your home, and it's wrong for people to come in. In fact, in the course, David Barton, when he teaches on this, 
He even talks about Deuteronomy 24 where it says, when you make a loan of any kind to your neighbor, do not go into their house to get what is offered to you as a pledge. Stay outside and let the neighbor to whom you are making the loan bring the pledge out to you. So, I mean, this is all about respecting that home as your castle. So let me read real quick to you the Fourth Fourth Amendment. I mean, this is why we have these the fourth the fifth the sixth all of these amendments that are about protecting your due process fourth amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons houses papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and get this particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. And then you go look at all the Supreme Court decisions and the way we've done this throughout our history. It's got to be specific, folks. What are you trying to stop? Exactly what they're doing to Donald Trump. You're trying to stop the FBI from going in and raiding this massive house, going into Melania's closet, going through all of this stuff, because you're just looking for anything, anything you can find where somebody did something wrong and now prosecute them. No, you have to have probable cause for a specific thing that you're looking for that violates a specific law and the specific thing that you're going in to get will then prove that. I forget the guy's name that did the study, but it shows that with all these federal laws that we have now, that every one of us, you included as you're listening right now, violated on average three federal laws today. So maybe, what is it, uh, you know, 145 Texas time, so by now you probably violated one and a half. And by the end of the day, you'll violate another one and a half. The point is there's so many laws, we don't know them. And so we're violating them all the time. So if you give some guy a writ of assistance where he gets to come in and search your entire house, he's going to find something that you did wrong and then be able to prosecute you. That is what they're doing to Donald Trump. This is absolute, uh, a tra- it's a travesty to to justice. It's a tra- travesty to blind justice and equal justice. And it will destroy our nation if they keep it up. So we have got to respond smart strategically tactically that's why right now we've got our you know the, some of the some of the conservatives and constitutionalists in congress are absolutely demanding major investigations of the FBI and the dismantling of the FBI and i used to be against that i was one of those saying nah we need these agencies to stop terrorism yada yada but now i see what they're doing with it they're now calling you a terrorist if you love the constitution if you homeschool if you go to church you're now a domestic terrorist if you think that your children should not be groomed by some radical pedophile at the local school or you think that girls shouldn't be raped in their in their in their bathrooms and locker rooms and 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 showers at school then you're the bad guy you're the domestic terrorist according to this fbi so i'm absolutely for dismantling the fbi the atf this alphabet soup of of federal law enforcement agencies that have been turned against the american people that are now being used to prosecute political opponents that is a road we cannot go down we see it in third world countries, and, and and that is not America. And so it's time to restore the Constitution. You do that by uh, you know getting involved, getting educated yourself. Go to constitutioncoach.com or patriotacademy.com today. Get signed up. Go through this course so you can learn these things and teach it to your friends and family. Vote based on it. It's, it's not going to all turn around in 2022, folks. It's going to take time. But in 2022, we can take the Congress back and we can, and based on who's likely to be the leaders, already talking about the investigations and potentially dismantling the FBI. That's what it's going to take to turn this thing around. Do not be violent in your response. Be righteously angry, but be angry and sin not. Have some joy while you're fighting this battle. Count it all joy when you experience various trials. Okay, let's use our last 10 minutes for phone calls. Let's go first to uh, to Sarah 
Sarah's calling from Virginia. Sarah, I'm so sorry for making you wait so long. I got a little excited today. It's all yours. Take it away. Once we get to talking about that, you had came out for big fun, uh, given the account of what happened. So, um, truthfully, the people didn't hear that when it happened. They heard uh, gossiping from people that didn't even see it, and then that's all turned around. They haven't heard the truth. Um, yeah. I watched the the uh, rally, and and it was just beautiful. People on the stage look so proud to be there to represent him and the people in the audience and the camera was from afar. I don't remember what camera, what station, but all the people there, it was like a bittersweet joy and happiness that they were there to see the president one last Amen. time and sad at the same time. But as I was watching it, all of a sudden I saw a guy with a flag draped around his shoulders crouching as low to the ground as he could, going up to people and trying to say something to him and they just turned their shoulder away from him and discounted him and then and after a couple of minutes of that which i thought was strange the camera turned away from him real quickly and hey sarah i'm losing you <clears throat> okay we lost we lost sarah's connection but um Thank you so much for calling in, Sarah. Uh, you know, and, and, and the thing is, when you look into all this stuff, it's so clear. It's so clear, the coordinated attempts, the coordinated things that happened behind the scenes to create this Rostock fire moment so that the Democrats could do exactly what they've done for the last year and a half. Just, just watch. Just put yourself through the pain of watching the embarrassing, disgusting speech that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris give on the anniversary of January 6th and the things that they say. And, and it's so obvious they set this thing up to do exactly what they've been doing. Let's go to Larry in, in North Carolina. Larry, thanks for calling in, man. What's your comment or question today? Hey, Larry, can you hear me? Hey, this is Larry in North Carolina. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, I, I was... In D.C. on January the 6th, and I became a subject of the witch hunt when the FBI showed up at my door shortly after that. Yeah. And um, I did not answer the door, but they came back nine months later with a subpoena. So wow. I had to get an attorney and uh, met, met them at the FBI office and gave them my account. But I was there with about 40 or 50 oath keepers from North Carolina. And we were not there to break into the Capitol. We were there to listen to the president. Yeah. We were there to stop the steal, but not to do it violently. So there's a bunch of trumped-up charges. There's people that I know that are in jail, and it's mm. political prosecution is what it is. It's just a witch. It is, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. So, so, so let me just ask, let me just ask you this. And since I think you're somewhat anonymous today, uh, uh, maybe not, but uh, and you don't have to answer anything if if you don't want, but. So, I mean, you're there for the right reasons. You're there to show support of the president, show support of the Constitution, to ask your congressman to do the right thing, to do the constitutional process. How do we do that? We have big rallies. It's been in our history for, for decades and decades and decades. And, and, and so absolutely 100% the right thing to do. Um, so when, when, the, when the crowd started getting violent and, 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 and pressing up against the Capitol and all that kind of stuff, I mean, what did you see around you and what were people – like you and, 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 and your guys that were with you, what were they saying and doing and, and, and trying to prevent the, the, the breaking of things and the, and the violence? Our group stayed away from the grounds 
I got as close as the wading pools that are on the grounds or right next to it. Me and smart man, one of my buddies. <laughs> Uh, but our group completely stayed away from the grounds and didn't have anything to do with that. We yeah. actually, we get, there was a curfew came out from the D.C. mayor. Came, it came across everybody's cell phone, and we loaded up our bus and left about 3.30 that afternoon because of that, that coming out. See, per, you're, um, you're a perfect example then. I mean, you, you didn't even step foot in the Capitol. You guys did zero wrong, and yet they still come investigate you? Didn't even get to. So, what is their excuse for coming after you? Because we were associated with a militia group, oh and they goodness. don't want militia groups because militia groups are sworn by oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Yeah, it, and we have domestic enemies in charge. Wait a minute. So, so because you love the Constitution, because you follow the Constitution, and because you want to be a good citizen and and defend your country. They think that's where that's why the FBI is corrupt. This you're exactly the example of, of what I, what I mean when I say that they're going after good people. I absolutely think they should go after people that did things wrong. You did nothing wrong, but in their mind, you love the Constitution. You are now a, a potential des- domestic terrorist. They have put their eyes and their sights on the people that love this country, love the Constitution, and want to do what's right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, now, are exactly you still right. having to fight this thing? Uh, so far, no. Um, they told me and my attorney that, you know, if you don't hear back, fr- back from us, then you're good to go. But, I mean, you never know. You never know when yeah. they're going to come kick the door in. I mean, that's just... Oh, they did it. I mean, you probably have friends they did it to. Flashbangs in the middle of the night. There was a couple right here in my home county that they, they, you know, nearly got killed because they didn't identify themselves. They came driving, broke through their gate, came driving up, you know, 100 miles an hour. And, you know, the guy who did what I would do, go out on the porch with your gun to defend your home. Uh, just insanity, man. Absolutely insanity. Um, I, I, I Listen, I, I want to tell you right now, I am thankful for you, Larry. God bless you for being a patriot, for being someone that loves your country, for doing it peacefully, doing it rightfully, you know, going and, and being a part of the rally, uh, being smart enough to not go into the Capitol. And, you know, if you're walking over broken glass, folks, that's usually a hint something might not be right. Uh, but being, you know, you did it exactly right, and yet they still harass you. That's why we're sick of these guys, and and they absolutely need to be dismantled. Frankly, they're unconstitutional anyway. There's no law enforcement mechanism for the FBI or ATF or any of these people other than Border Patrol in the Constitution. If you want to have them, if you want to create federal law enforcement, then do a constitutional amendment to create them. Otherwise, dismantle them all. Stop spending the money on them. Stop empowering uh, them to come after the salt and earth of, of our country and the good people in our country just like Larry. Um, and uh, and frankly, we've got some congressmen that are now willing to push for that. And i got to say, Ron Paul was right decades ago, uh, and I disagreed with him. And he's a friend, and he, he's my congressman. When I was in the state legislature, we did rallies together. We worked on Second Amendment issues together. But when he would call for the dismantling of these federal law enforcement agencies, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, we, we, we need them for this or we need for them. Ron Paul was absolutely right decades ago, and now uh, now we need to do exactly what he said. All right, let's try to get in one more. we got, uh, let's see, Phil in Texas, and in, when you call from Texas, you got to tell me where, where, where in Texas you calling from, Phil. What's your comment or question? Yes. You, yeah. You, go ahead, man. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you that it's just outrageous what happened on January sixth. But what I don't understand, I wish, I hope you can explain why in the world has nothing been done to help these people who have been falsely accused? Why is there no justice? Why is there no trial? Why are they being? Uh, persecuted yeah isn't anybody do anything doesn't some legal 
organization, can't they come in and do something to help them? Yeah, no, you're right. By the way, Phil, where in Texas are you? Grapeland. You ever heard of Grapeland? Grapeland. Not Grapevine. Oh, Grapeland. Be- between Palestine and Crockett. You know where that is? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, cool. All right. Um, okay, so listen. I, you know, No, I think you're right. I think Julie Kelly's uh, book that just came out is, is bringing a lot of great attention to this. She was doing that throughout this whole process. A lot of us commentators have been screaming for it. So I, I, I have been shocked, honestly, that there hasn't been more help, more rallies, uh, more congressmen. You know, you did, you did have Louie Gohmert and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and, and a few that – that that did you know go to to this gulag in Washington D.C. and that's where they really that's where I think we need a strengthening of of being tried by a jury of your peers. These people are not being tried by a jury of their peers. A jury of their peers would be in their community, their home, back home where they live, not in Washington D.C. Uh, these federal judges that I I think are are absolutely rubber stamping this nonsense. It's it's all corrupt. It's all wrong. And and absolutely, we should have been we, we should have been more outraged than, than what what we were. There there are some good legal organizations that stepped up and helped, and some attorneys that have volunteered a ton of time to help. But it hasn't it hasn't been enough. I, I am ashamed of my nation and what they did to these people, including the ones that should have been prosecuted. But the way that they were prosecuted, and the lack of due process, and the absolute physical and mental abuse that took place, the things they did to these people is. So wrong and so evil, and I think it's you know I, I, I think it can lead to some positive changes, but it's going to take it's going to take enough people standing up and 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 speaking out about it. And there's some good documentaries coming out. Epic Times just did a good one. I think the movie Capital Punishment, done by Nick Searcy, was very good and very important to tell the story of what actually happened that day and and the things that have been happening. Uh, it, it's just uh, man, I feel I wish more had been done. I thought it would not last as long as it did, uh, but the abuse continues. Folks, that's why the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. That's why we have to, as citizens, get in the game. We cannot sit on the sidelines. You have to be engaged. You have to be involved. We need a revolution of freedom, and that's a revolution with ballots. That's a revolution with with showing up and being peaceful, not a revolution with bullets. Don't be foolish. It's a revolution with ballots. And, yes, the election process can be restored, and it can work. Virginia is our example. Look at what happened there with a blue system all set up for cheating, we still were able to win. We can do that across this country. It's going to take time. you got to be willing to stay in this for a generation. It's going to take that long, but there's a remnant being raised up. God bless you, and thanks for listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.